Today's episode is sponsored by the American Homebrewers Association. Become a part of the U.S.'s largest community of homebrewers for just $48 for the year by going to unitedwedrink.com AHA. What do you get for your AHA membership? A year-long subscription to Zimmergy Magazine, the world's longest-running homebrew magazine, exclusive deals and discounts at over 2,000 breweries, bars, and bottle shops across America, discounts on brewers' publication books and merchandise, access to a huge library of previous HomebrewCon seminars and talks, and early access to purchasing tickets to each year's Great American Beer Festival and Savor. Sign up now by going to unitedwedrink.com AHA and get a year's membership for just $48. And if you sign up now in the month of October, you will get a free copy of the book Goza, Brewing a Classic German Beer for the Modern Era by Fall Allen of Anderson Valley Brewing. Support United We Drink, support homebrewing, and support the American Homebrewers Association at unitedwedrink.com slash AHA. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the hosts, employers, co-workers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show. Happy hour, more like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth most listened to beer-related podcast in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Welcome to United We Drink, right here on unitedwedrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mikey Revich. I'm a Sagittarius. I enjoy long walks nowhere close to the beach and viewing theaters from a safe, healthy distance. I'm joined by my two co-influencers of the show. First up is a man who very well may have a molecular makeup of water, alcohol from cane sugar, natural flavors, cane sugar, citric acid, and carbon dioxide. And I don't think that's a good thing. It's Phil Pomisano. Thank you so much for having me again, Mike. I'm, I'm super happy to be here. <laughs> I'm just bubbly. <laughs> that's Truly. what I was looking for. <laughs> we are also joined by a man whose anger towards morning rush hour traffic is only exceeded by his hatred of beer fests. I'm talking about Joel Codner. <laughs> Listen, Mike, we can start at 4 a.m. if you want to beat traffic. <laughs> I'm not the one who has to worry about traffic. <laughs> it's you. I live 1.1 mile from work. Uh, thank you, everyone who has been listening to the show. Thank you and welcome to all you new listeners who may have just caught on to the last episode. The numbers that we've been getting for listens have been truly amazing and uh, not anything that we've ever expected that we would get out of this little podcast here. If you have shared, liked, subscribed, uh, spread the word of the podcast in any way whatsoever, we're eternally grateful to you all. It means a lot. Gentlemen, what are we drinking here tonight, Joel? What are you having? I've got some uh, black coral spiced rum 
from our buddies over at Steel Tide Distillery in West Palm Beach. Excellent stuff. Enjoying it on the rocks just to keep it cold. Very nice. I still have to get myself over to that distillery. It uh, looks like an awesome place. Phil, what do you got? I'm finishing up a beautiful 2016 Surly Misanthrope. It is a uh, Belgian-style Saison ale aged on oak barrels. It's damn tasty. Mm. Like on the barrels? They ju- Yeah, I, I, they just rest it on know. top of the barrels. <laughs> they just put a bottle on the barrel and that's it. said good luck. No, they, right they now put the beer on, on top of the barrels and spin it around, and the centrifugal <laughs> force keeps it on the barrels uh, <laughs> for the entire time. Um, Mike, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a all wet and sticky from our friends at Tequesta Brewing Company. It is a wet hop IPA with fresh Chinook and Amarillo hops. It's nice and dank and citrusy and grassy. I like it a lot. I also have a backup can for probably when I finish that of uh, TBC's Brave Tart Cucumber Lime Sea Salt Berliner. Love those guys. Before we get into our main topic... Phil has curated some wonderful news for us. Phil, why don't you take us into the news? Yeah, so uh, Nielsen came out this past week and said 14% of 21 and up U.S. consumers have visited a brew pub or a tasting room, tap room, in the past three months. My question to you guys is, is this clickbait or do you guys continue to see this as a uh, growing trend? Well, I hope it's a growing trend since uh, we are one of those locations. But uh, yeah, it seems like that's where everything's going with own premise. Like I've said before that, you know, I would much prefer to go to the source than to get it in stores or get it at other retailers that could be tainting the product or not rotating it or storing it properly. So I'm all about it. I hope the trend continues. Uh, I I think that it is legit as well. I mean, it if it's only statistics that the more breweries that open up, the more people are going to have the opportunity and ability to visit breweries. So I I do think that that's real and it's not just clickbait. It will probably continue to go up as more and more breweries open. How long that can necessarily uh, be stable, I don't know. It might go along with this whole uh, beer bubble that we've been hearing in the industry for a number of years now. I hope that it it, it can stay stable at least uh, after a little while, but yeah, I I think that there is definitely truth to that. I, I too believe that there's a lot of truth to that. I think we're sort of getting back to those pre-prohibition days where people are visiting their local brewery as their, you know, local watering hole for happy hour um, after work every day. So I think we're going to continue to see those trends as well. We have some uh, prohibition era era stuff going on too with like homebrewers selling beer. Next piece of news. <laughs> Weyerbacher Brewing Company from Pennsylvania, fresh out of bankruptcy, announced this past <laughs> week that uh, they are teaming up with a collaboration with White Castle, the fast food restaurant. They said they have a lot of good stuff on the horizons, and this beer in particular, which is rumored to be a Kolsch, is supposed to hit 400-plus restaurants across the 13-state footprint. In addition, I guess, uh, there's a a little second piece there where they're also looking to distribute this beer in any of the grocery chains where frozen White Castle products are being sold. So what do you guys think of the partnership? And uh, do you think we're going to see more of this stuff? 
I think that this is fantastic. I'm maybe a little biased because being a PA boy, I like Weyerbacher. And by the way, the the bankruptcy that they went through was for the purpose of restructuring. The the business is still somewhat sound. Uh, Yes, their barrel age production is down. But uh, this was, I think, a good thing. They had just before announcing that bankruptcy opened up a satellite location for retail in New Hope, PA, a nice little downtown area that they're going to do very well with there and are looking at doing more of those locations as well. But as for this product, I think that this is awesome. White Castle has like a cult-like following. So uh, this allows Weyerbacher to kind of jump on with that following uh, that they might not necessarily have uh, already with White Castle. And they're not going to be in every bit of locations that White Castle is in. But I think that this is an awesome thing. The Kolsch uh, doesn't seem to be a rumor. It's actually was mentioned by Weyerbacher themselves. So unless they're starting their own rumors. But I, I think that more stuff like this is interesting. Collaborations among breweries and uh, businesses that aren't breweries, I think, is a really awesome way of the future. Yeah, and we've seen the coffee beers with Dunkin' Donuts and Wawa. And it definitely seems like the fast food wars are on as far as like everybody competing to offer something new. And we've seen how Taco Bell has tinkered with alcohol sales. And it's probably a trend we'll see continue. I I don't think it'll venture too far outside of safe beers like Kolsch. Um, I don't think we're going to see any any beers made with hamburgers in any of these stores. But maybe maybe Omni Polo's not making beer. (laughs) But. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see more of it. I think um, it's just going to be one of those things that, that keeps going. You know, we've seen the chicken sandwich wars. We've seen the, you know, a couple of these places do alcohol, and I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't continue. I just I, wish I, we had a White Castle here. I agree with you 100%. I also hope that the rumors on Untapped are not true with the beer being called Slider Beer. There's another rumor that it's being called Crave Nation, and I guess Crave Nation Kolsch has a better ring to it than Slider Beer Kolsch. Yeah. But I I like it. I Listen, it they're rumoring it to be or saying that it's going to be estimated 20% of their 30,000 barrel production next year. So Ooh. good for Weyerbacher for thinking outside of the box <laughs> um, and partnering <laughs> up with White Castle. Final bit of news this week. Lots of stuff coming out of the national sales meetings from both Sam Adams and Mark Anthony. Sam Adams, uh, you know, going hot and heavy with Truly this past year or this upcoming year. They had Keegan Michael Key show up in a shark costume and they released all of their 15 second video clips this past week or past two weeks, which are all really entertaining. I sent them all to you guys so that you could watch them. Mark Anthony sort of answered this past week basically stating that they were tired of being out of stock and issues with production. So they're investing $250 million into production, both in building a new facility, but also increasing capacity at the existing facilities. Furthermore, they said that they wanted Mike's Hard Lemonade to come back and really push their wholesalers to sell more. Do you guys think, one, Mike's Hard Lemonade is going to make a solid comeback. And two, what do you guys think of $250 million behind a brand like White Claw moving into 2020? Uh, It's no secret that this stuff is not my my bag. But 
I'm it's impressive to see the Mark Anthony brands that I honestly did not know was not affiliated with the singer and former JLo husband until two weeks ago when you first sent us this bit of news. But that's impressive and super ambitious to want to do that. I, I, I mean, like I said, not into this stuff, but I didn't know that these shortages were a thing. Every store I've ever seen has freaking huge displays of them. White Claw all over the place. I mean, my Publix personally right by my house, the moment you walk in the door, there is a White Claw display right there. So shortages, I've never seen it. But as for the Mike's Hard Lemonade thing, I mean, there's other brands that have had revitalizations and comebacks over the years that are so weird and almost unexplainable to a point. I mean, Zima had that big uh, nostalgia burst a couple of years ago when they put that out for like a summer time release and it went crazy and stores, I, I saw stores go out of stock on that because I wanted to buy a six pack just for nostalgia purposes. And then they went and did it again the following summer because it worked. I mean, What's it called? Paps has acquired all of these regional legacy brands and has helped revitalize them in their regions that they were originally in. I mean, Paps itself is a revitalization of what it uh, once was. I mean, 10 years ago, did even 15 years ago, were people really talking about Paps the way that they are today? So I I don't think that it's outside of the possibilities that Mike can make a comeback, but I think that it almost has to be a more natural thing or just a shit luck thing. If a YouTuber or Instagrammer just happens to put out a post out there that catches fire. I mean, that's how LaCroix became as popular as it did, as it has in the last few years. But with that, you know, you're talking about some sort of endorsement or thing catching on because some famous person is speaking for it or or representing it. And that's, you know, the No, the I'm seltzer... talking about grassroots. Just like dumb luck. The LaCroix thing was completely dumb luck for how they got popular. Well, right. But it's still not the same intention behind what's happening with White Claw and the seltzers and some of these so-called healthier things. You know, yeah, people that, seem to that's be... true. Yeah, and I I don't see, you know, I, it comes across a little greedy to me. Like, just because you're having amazing, unprecedented success with White Claw, that doesn't mean, you know, you're going to suddenly bring, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonade to the party. Like, you know, just because you're cool doesn't mean you can bring the nerd that no one likes. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's like an old relic from the 90s. You know, like, like you said, Mike, you know, the Zima resurgence, there's been Crystal Pepsi. Nostalgia's huge right now, especially for like 90s stuff. I mean, I keep buying these stupid little mini arcades for the house. You know, the, we're, we're in the future and the future is terrible and we want things from the past. But I don't think anyone wants Mike's Hard Lemonade. I think it runs counter to what the success of White Claw is all about. So I think they should focus on moving forward with what works and, you know, just do that. I, I, I agree with you, Joel. I think when you look at the reason behind the seltzer craze in particular, which is that better for you category, which we'll probably touch on in, in a few minutes with our main topic, but Mike's Hard Lemonade doesn't play in that category at all. There's a ton of sugar in that. I think we are going to see a, a, a resurgence of true F&Bs or flavored malt beverages. Maybe St. Ides makes a comeback. I don't know. Uh, MD 2020. Um, I buy a quart. I'm down. 
<laughs> for one. <laughs> when we when you look at what they're trying to do, what Mark Anthony Brains is trying to do, listen, protect number one, obviously. I like the fact that they're trying to leverage the strength of a just a monster with White Claw to try and really pick up Mike's Hard Lemonade, which really, I mean, trends aren't bad with Mike's Hard Lemonade right now. Is it going to become the next White Claw? I don't think so because it doesn't, it plays in a completely different category and flavor malt beverages just aren't hot right now. But hey, kudos to Mark Anthony for trying to do what every other supplier out there is trying to do, which is Hey, we got a we got a prize horse. We're gonna try and ride the second brand, and I think you can be the cool kid to bring the nerd to the party, to use Joel's terminology, because <laughs> you get more focus because you have you you are the you're the prom king. Um, you or you know prom queen. You're hot. Everybody wants you. Now you can utilize that to pick up the rest of your portfolio. That's my seltzer news, though. Thanks for uh, entertaining me this week with some actual feedback, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Don't expect much from me uh, going forward. <laughs> I'll give you every other episode, and hopefully Perfect. we can keep it fresh and fun. So our main topic tonight, we're going to talk about, as Phil alluded to earlier, beer and health. There's many different ways that I think that a beer drinker or a beverage drinker, an alcoholic beverage drinker, can go about thinking about their own health when consuming. Uh, and probably the, a lot of these things that we're going to talk about could take on episodes of their own. And uh, we'll tease on some of those, touch on them, and we are going to talk about them on some future episodes. But I, I think we can start things off by talking about uh, the product itself, this um, rise of low-cal healthy options and NA options in the beverage scene. Joel, what do you, what do you think about some of these uh, uh, beverages that we're seeing that are low-cal and NA? I look at it two ways. I mean, number one, I haven't really had any of these. I'm intrigued by several of them. I would like to try like the Heineken Zero Zero. I just saw there's a, a like a blue moon light sky, something like that, which I don't think is no cow, but low cow. Um, there's a lot of interesting options. And although I'm not doing my best these days to uh, keep up with my physical health, uh, when I was and in the beer business, I didn't really feel the need to seek out products like this. I mean, there weren't many, uh, you know, just a couple of years ago, but I feel like when you're very mindful of your personal health and, and what you're consuming, that it's more of a matter of moderation. And obviously, these are great options to have. If they're non-alcoholic, low-cal, low-carb, whatever it is, that's awesome. But I feel like back when I was being super healthy and, and very strict about my diet and what I was consuming and how much I was drinking, for me, it was more about just not over-consuming, maybe having one with dinner or maybe saving everything for just a Saturday or a Sunday and not drinking throughout the week. So I think these options are awesome. I don't think they're totally necessary, but I am willing to try a few of them. No, I, I, I sort of disagree with them. I think they're necessary. I, we all want different things. I personally have had, and I, I will seek out these low-calorie, low-carb options. I've had Slightly Mighty, uh, one from Oscar Blues, their new one that just came out. Daytime from Lagunitas. I'm really excited about Lighthearted. Bells is drumming it up as a lighter, uh, two-hearted variant. I've seen that. What I'm concerned about and what I... 
I see a problem with this in particular as somebody that really likes beer. I have to go into it with an open mind because I don't think the body, it, the flavor profile can be there, but the body's not necessarily there. And then at some point in time, you're drinking a hopped up IPA flavored soda, I guess, to some degree with alcohol. And that's where I think these non, the, these better flavored zero zero beers really come in and and i've carried the flag for zero zero beers I'd, I'd really like to see a better variety in the state of florida personally like joel i'd love to try the heineken zero zero there's some zero zero porters and pale ales out there that i think would be a lot of fun really at the end of the day it's it, there has to be some balance here and we we touched on it very very lightly in one of our early episodes when we were talking about work-life balance but this is a struggle in the beverage industry completely but really in every industry think about how many corporate offices at every friday night are going out to happy hour this is something that transcends to any in, in any profession uh, you're you're absolutely right. This is not a specific beer-related industry thing, and uh, this this is something that I think that maybe a lot of our listeners who are not necessarily industry folk will be able to relate a little bit more to because this crosses many different boundaries. As for like some of these locale NA options, I've 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 only tried for the locale that I know of are marketed as locale. Uh, the Slightly Mighty from Dogfish Head. It was fine. It wasn't exactly great to me, but I get what it was going for. It was a little bit sweet, but I really wanted to try it because it's Dogfish Head. It's an IPA. I respect and love their IPAs. So I, I was I was happy that I got to try it. And I think that, that if that is such a low-cal beer, I think that that's an awesome option because it is very flavorful. It's not necessarily my flavor style, but that it can be for a lot of people. On the NA side, I too am, would love to try this Heineken 00. I also really want to try some of these beers from Athletic Brewing, who are a completely non-alcoholic brewery. They make an amber ale, a lager, and an IPA year-round that are all NA they make a Goza, a Stout, um, um, some other crazy styles for uh, seasonal stuff that uh, it's just like those seem like such full of flavor things. And if they can make them in N.A. form and taste good, I think that that's an awesome thing. And I'm, I was just looking up before we went on this episode. I'm happy to see that I can get them down here in Florida. I saw it all over the place in P.A. stores, but glad to see I can see I can get some of their stuff down here. And I really do want to try it because I think that if they are good, then I think that's a game changer, especially for me when it comes to uh, off days with drinking, which is another thing that we can take into consideration with our health and not drinking every single day. I myself drink, uh, don't drink on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, give myself a break, especially after a weekend. And uh, if, if I can have an NA beer that has some good flavor to it, give my liver a break, uh, which is very important as you age, then I think that that's an awesome thing. It might not be necessarily on the locale uh, scale of things. I don't know. I haven't looked at any of uh, their statistics, but off days can be an important thing too. Phil, do you take days off? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. When I was a hobbyist, I think is probably the best way to term <laughs> what we all used to do. We would sample or drink on a pretty regular basis i 
I was drinking damn near seven days a week. And even all early on into this industry, um, when I transitioned in professionally, nowadays, it's uh, I'm probably drinking on average three days a week, I would say. Typically, Sundays are my off days. We tend to record on Sunday evening, so I will drink a beer while I'm recording with you guys. But I'm finding that balance otherwise. I, it's it's challenging to find a... It, I, I have to cognitively think about when I'm looking at, you know, all right, I drank last night, I'm not drinking tonight kind of deal. And there's definitely times where I'll take a week off just to prove to myself, hey, I, I can take a week off. You know, coming into ABP season... I'm probably going to have a few more beers than I typically do just because I'm going to be traveling and with wholesalers. Um, but there's balance there. I am uh, not balanced whatsoever. <laughs> I wish I could uh, I wish I wish could relate to you guys at the moment. I'm just sort of on a downward spiral, crashing and burning. <laughs> I'm not getting loaded every day, but I don't really take a day off. Uh, I need to. I need to get back on track. But, um, I, I mean, I've been there. You know, just maybe a year and a half ago, I was going pretty hard with – you know, being healthy and stuff and would take days off and would, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, limiting it to cheat day or maybe with a special meal or something like that. Or maybe just like a tiny sip of wine at night, nothing crazy, not even a half glass. But nah, uh, no days off for me right now. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag no days off. Um, another thing that like when Phil was, I think it was Phil, we were touching on how people go out for happy hours from the corporate world and, and do things like that. It can kind of lead into, especially when you're in the industry, workplace consumption and having shift beers or hanging out at the, the tap room or the bar after you're done with work or even uh, having a beer while you're finishing up your shift. This can lead to certain health-related issues because, and this could even go into safety to where you could potentially hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Joel, what are what are your opinions? I mean, we, we work together, so uh, I feel like we can kind of be on the same page here when it comes to workplace consumption. Basically, Mike just wants to know how much he can consume. <laughs> God damn it, Phil. Well, you know, we didn't get to talk about that, Mike, and I regret to inform you that uh, you do not get to drink after now. It's that that's very tricky. And I know many breweries have all different sorts of policies on this. Some do not allow you to drink at all. Uh, some will limit you to one or two. Some will give you like a budget where, you know, this is this is what you get, you know, with your uh, employment here. You know, you get some sort of credit in the tap room or in the brew pub or whatever it is. And everyone feels very strongly uh, on all sides of it. You know, personally, I think that the people who make the beer, you know, as long as they are not going to excess, um, should be able to uh, have, you know, a couple after work, um, you know, and uh, should be responsible enough to regulate themselves. And obviously, um, you know, we would want to make sure the bar staff or whoever are, are not over-serving them whatsoever. But um, it, it's a very tricky balance. And like I said, you know, everyone has their own policies. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having some after a long day of brewing. Um, but, you know, some don't feel the same way. Uh, bef before I throw it over to you, Phil, I do want to touch uh – one thing that Phil or Joel said there uh, that reminded me of a an episode of the Good Beer Hunting podcast where someone I can't remember who it was so maybe Joel will remember I know he listens to some of it I remember uh, this episode uh, where a guy talked about he, uh, having a shift beer at the end of his brew day 
He's like, I'm going to wait until I'm completely done because having a beer during knockout can actually be like the worst thing possible because after the brew is when there's so many important things that by having a beer could cloud up his judgment, could screw up the knockout, could end up like while cleaning the, uh, the kettle, screw something up with hot water and end up burning himself. That, that can definitely come into play with consuming before you're necessarily ready to. Yeah, it's a safety uh, issue. You're you're impairing your judgment, and you should not be, you know, not to sound like the Surgeon General, but you should not be operating heavy machinery or, you know, doing those those sorts of things. And I mean, at our last brewery, it was sort of generally known that shift beer time was around five o'clock, but you know, you could very well be there till ten o'clock, you yeah. know, knocking out a a triple brew day or something like that. So. It's, you know, there, there should definitely be a lot of self-policing involved, but, you know, companies should have very specific policies regardless of, you know, if they don't allow it or they do allow it and how much. I, this, this really needs to be on the books and on paper. It's a safety and liability issue. There's all sorts of facets to this, and it's, it's definitely something that falls within, you know, legal uh, whatever. So, you know, I know, it, you know, it's beer and it's fun and it's casual, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're just having fun, but, you know, it, you'd have to take it somewhat seriously at certain points. And I think most large breweries with HR, a HR employee or multiple HR employees probably have some type of standard when you look at this. I'll take it in a different direction because I'd focus more on sales and less on production, packaging, uh, uh, liquid production. Sales is hard to, to try and find this balance between going into a bar being everybody's friend, buying rounds for people, talking to a buyer, sampling out a buyer. I can't tell you how many times I've actually walked into a bar with samples and said, hey, I want to talk to you about some new products. And no problem. Obviously, you want to sample in front of the person. You want the person to try it in front of you. They crack it open. They pour two glasses. And I've had to say, hey, man, you know, I'm just not drinking today. Originally, I was embarrassed. I, I'm not going to lie. I I think there was a good solid amount of time where if I wanted to not drink, I was so embarrassed to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to pass. I, you know, I've had it before. You know, I'm good. I actually would go the distance of saying like, I'm on medication. I'm on my last day of medication and I can't drink. And, you know, I really don't want to mess this up. So there, there's that point of like, you don't want to seem lame, I guess. But at the same time, there's a balance there. And and then you take it to happy hour. And then you take it to your events afterwards. And and I think what I tell my team on a regular basis is if you go out, be responsible. Obviously, we're, we're super lucky to have programs like Lyft and Uber as well as your local city taxis, other city transportation, bus, subways, rickshaws. If you got little bikes that can drive you to your place, leave your car overnight. Like, don't be dumb. But don't overindulge at the same time because you got to wake up and be an adult the next day. Um, we're all over the age of 21, and and that's the most important piece is as you get older, those hangovers get a little bit harder. They last a little bit longer. Uh, yeah, that, that's for sure. And I, I think that when you start getting getting hangovers more and more, and uh, like this can stuff like that can lead to mental health issues and overconsumption like that 
it can be a, a mental health issue. And I feel like this is a topic that we definitely are going to touch on in a more detailed form on another episode and dedicate more time to it. Because man, I, I think that we can all say that we have seen firsthand issues with people battling consumption and mental health issues, whether great or small. And it's depressing uh, when you see it. And even if you if you feel it in yourself and that that is where like I feel like health is can be super important with consumption and overconsumption. Do you agree? I do. I, I think that overconsumption is well, first of all, if you over consuming, you're a dumbass in this industry, you're going to lose your job. Plain and yeah. simple. And you're basically blacklisted in this industry because specifically on the sales side, if you can't drive a car, more than likely you're not going to be able to represent a brand unless you're living in a major metropolitan area, major metropolitan area with a subway system or some way that you can cover 200, 300 plus accounts by foot or by bike or by skateboard. Overconsumption is huge. And, and then on top of that, you take the health aspect of it, and I, I'm, I think that there's a consistent challenge of trying to be healthy. You look at, I, I, we can talk about all of our friends because we've seen probably 90% of our friends have come into this industry at some point in time. And we have all seen everyone struggles both with weight, keeping weight off, putting weight on, how, how to manage eating. You get drunk, you eat Taco Bell or something bad yeah. late at night, and all of a sudden White you Castle. start at White Castle. And <laughs> you start eating <laughs> things that are not good for you. Your health goes down, your productivity goes down, you're lethargic, you sleep like crap, you're snoring. All of these problems that honestly can stem from overindulgence on a regular basis. And so now, now we're talking about just being a healthy individual. So, and, and I know we've all had our struggles and we've seen ups and downs and it, it's somewhat of a roller coaster, but how are you guys in particular dealing with trying to balance this, um, health situation where, you know, we've all struggled with it. It, it's tough. I, I don't know how I, I, I would probably say the best way that I can really balance it is by looking at the people around me and uh, and realizing, man, I want to stick around with these people who I love and I care about for a really long time. So the live fast, die hard uh, mentality doesn't really uh, go very far when you care about the people who you're around. I mean, I, I have a great uh, supportive base of friends, family, and a wonderful fiance. And I mean, when I, I think it was maybe three, four years ago, I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I don't like what I see. I was 260 pounds. I did not like the way that I looked. I hated the way I felt, especially like snoring, back just hurting uh, when I would wake up. I, I, I was drinking way too much, eating like shit. And I decided to make a change in my life. And uh, right now I weigh about like 197. I've lost like 60-ish pounds. Uh, I, I lost a lot of that early on and I've been able to maintain it. I've had some 
struggles here and there with keeping it or going on vacations, uh, a really big weekend with uh, friends and family. But, you know, like my my biggest thing that helps me get through it all is uh, just looking at the people around me that I love and I care about and, and thinking to myself, I want to spend as much time with these folks for as long as I can. And the only way that I can do that is by caring about my physical being. Uh, so that that's what I do. And I feel like Mike's being very modest because he's he's doing a great fucking job with this. I mean, I I see him at the brewery. The you know the chefs are always offering him food, and he has abstained at times. Other times, he's like, oh god, oh, damn god. It, it is he, it is so tough sometimes. Yeah, and he, he'll he'll take that piece of chicken or, or you know that because, slider, whatever it is. You know, it's a lot like what Phil was saying with trying to say no to a an account or a potential account and saying you're almost embarrassed. Like when, when the chef comes up to you and it's like, Hey, I made this new thing. I'm really excited about it. We might put it on the menu. And to, to say to them, no, like I can't uh, like, I'm almost embarrassed to do it. And I almost feel like I'm insulting them by doing it. And I, I feel terrible about that, but like, and I have given in sometimes. And even, even I've, I have a thing where I don't eat meat Monday through Thursday. I grab something, I ate it just because I feel bad for this guy. And then I'm like, Jesus Christ, this has meat on it. And I'm like, ah, I feel like I need to go home and do like 50 crunches to make up for it or take a hundred lashes. But yeah, it, it can be, it can be tough when, when food is brought into it. And that's a crazy new thing to deal with, uh, working where I am now. I didn't know BDSM was a workout routine, Mike. <laughs> we'll touch on that on a different a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, but Mike, you're 100% right. Looking at the people around you, I, I and again, I think we all sort of touched on this a little bit, but I, I got into a new relationship uh, where a child was involved, and I wanted to be the best parental figure I could possibly be. And guess what? That parental figure was not drinking every night. And I, I, I can happily say that my life changes – and I, I've always been somebody, I, I, somewhat to a degree, a masochist because I enjoy getting hung over and then going to the gym and sweating it out the next morning. I was always that guy that got up at 5 a.m. and went to the gym for a solid hour, hour and a half, worked out, tried to maintain the same body weight all the way through, and still be able to eat it whatever I wanted or drink whatever I wanted. And then when I realized that not only was I in a relationship that I love my partner, not saying that I haven't loved any of my partners in the past, but really, truly loving my partner and then loving my child, my son, I, I wanted to be the best representation. And so part of that comes into making sure that I'm going to be around and eating a salad every once in a while and not necessarily drinking all the time and just trying to be a good role model. And, and Mike, I think you're 100% right in regards to that you know you guys keep saying i want to do it for everyone else and i feel like i've never been able to look at it like that for me it's very weird i don't i don't mean to make it sound selfish but i never really did it for anyone else because i've i've lost weight so many times i, and I think that mine is not completely selfish but uh, like i i was saying is i I want to spend as much time with those people as possible. Not that I want them to be able to spend as much time with me. 
Uh, but like I cherish that time so much and I want it to go on as long as I can. Uh, so I, like I, I look at it as a selfish thing. And for me, I just don't feel like I ever really did it for anyone else, which I know can sound selfish. But um, yeah, I, you know, a couple of years ago when, you know, things were improving at work and I was, uh, you know, win the scholarship to Siebel or, you know, win an award at this competition or go to UC Davis. Like, there were a lot of good things happening to me in this particular year. And then the following year, it's like, okay, what next? Like it was addicting to be doing well and you want to keep that going, like always forward, keep moving forward. And so the following year I, I started getting, you know, like things were going very well professionally. So now I'm going to start working on personally and improving home life, improving my personal health. And it, you know, when I, when I get into this stuff, it's very addicting and I go hard. Like I get very militant and extreme. And I think in 2017, I lost like 60 pounds in six months. And a lot of that had to do with just restricting, uh, alcohol, you know, to the weekends. And then it got to the point where like, I just stopped doing cheat day. Like it just didn't even feel good to put that shit in my body at a certain point. And of course, like a year and a half later, I'm totally off the rails and uh, hoping to get back on soon. But, uh, I I've, I've been through both sides of it so many times and, I feel like I'm not the best person to be speaking on this, but I also feel like I have experience in, in the ups and downs of it many times over. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's an interesting uh, little bit of document that you sent me, or you sent both of us, Joel, a few days ago, and that was from the Brewers Association, their health and safety archives that can maybe be a great source for people in the industry, out of the industry, to look at. Um, safety is a different issue that we're going to touch on more in depth in a different episode, but I mean, health and safety are, are kind of like peanut butter and jelly almost in that they go together. I've never had a peanut butter and jelly. Never? Not one that never. tasted like health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else that anyone feels is an important part to talk about uh, in regards to this, I mean, I'm sure that there's many other things that we could be, but uh, Phil, is there anything else you want to say? Well, one thing we didn't touch on, and and I think we could fall down a massive rabbit hole with it, is everything that we did touch on does sort of caveat into mental health and, and mental health specifically in this industry. Again, it could transcend to any industry, but... I, I really do believe that that needs to be a separate uh, episode. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, it, it, it's it, the mental health piece of it, you know, dealing with depression, dealing with the, the ups and downs like Joel talked about. There's definitely been years where I've seen strong sales numbers, promotions, uh, you know, hitting monumental goals personally and professionally. And then it's how do I follow that up? And and sometimes you just got to be fucking patient. Yeah, it's not automatic. It's not just there's not always this forward trajectory. Sometimes you do hit plateaus. Sometimes things can get stagnant. But the important thing is to be mindful of it and know when that is happening. I mean, that's how I was feeling at my last brewery a little bit. And I started looking around like, okay, maybe maybe there's something else out there for me. Maybe there's a way I can have a little bit more of cre you know, a creative outlet or get more creative control or find a place that has less hours and less demand and less distribution and, and things of that nature. So um, 
I think as long as you're cognizant of your own behavior and where you're at and where you're going, I, th- I think it goes a long way. Even if you're not doing anything, you know, don't feel under the pressure to constantly be doing things because you'll drive yourself mad. I mean, there's definitely a point where you're just like addicted and it's just like, I got to do more. I got to do more. And you could, you could settle down and take a breath and not have to, you know, keep rushing forward, you know, stop and smell the roses as they say. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, there's and everyone's different on how they can go about with those specific instances and yeah we're going to touch more on the whole mental health aspect of this in a future episode but as for uh what we were talking about here today um anyone else want to want to add anything in before we wrap it up no. Uh, that that's it for me right now. I, I look forward to the mental health episode. It's a very important topic for me. And I know of some breweries and brewers in particular who are, you know, really making strides and doing their part to address this publicly and in the beer community. And, and I admire the hell out of them for doing it. And I hope to get some input from them on that episode, um, you know, for that episode. But, um, I, you know, a lot, a lot of times in beer or the beverage industry, when we're talking about mental health or, uh, diversity or all of these, you know, important topics, a lot of times it feels like at certain seminars or certain conferences, they have like a quick one hour thing and then they sort of wash their hands of it. And it's like, Oh, we're all good now. And it's like, no, let's go have a beer. Yeah. yeah, These conversations need to keep happening. Like it doesn't matter if it's the, the main thing at CBC or whatever it is. These things need to, you know, continue and we need to keep having these conversations. So, like, I know we have a very sort of specific list of topics we want to get through on this show. But, you know, just because we're talking about it once doesn't mean we we can't talk about it again. And I hope people reach out and get involved in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Not only do the conversations need to continue to happen, but the implementation of the product that is being discussed needs to be put in play and and i think we can all sit around we can have some beers we can talk as much as we want but if nobody puts action behind those thoughts and those plans then we're wasting our time yeah i agree um all right i think it's now time for us to get into last calls little segment that we do where everyone gets their own little on specific amount of time to be able to voice off on a specific thing whether in beer or not I'll kick things off here. I'm going to keep mine super simple. This is just something that I see a lot that agitates me. And that is just the simple spelling of Funky Buddha. Buddha is spelled B-U-D-D-H-A. It's not A-H. People, like I get some people not in this area that will do it. But in when I see it in Florida, it really irks me that a hometown local brewery is always having their name misspelled. The, the A-H spelling is not even a thing. I tried looking it up. It is a misspelling. The fact that so many people misspell this word is just crazy to me. Learn how to spell Funky Buddha's name. That's all. Joel. <laughs> Hey, uh, Spider-Man is back in the MCU, baby. That's all I give a shit about this week. Tom Holland is back for at least uh, Spider-Man 3 and an appearance in one more Marvel movie. So 
I'm excited about that. There might be a God after all. Welcome back, Tom Holland. I'm excited to see what's next. <laughs> that was some great news, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so this past week, Burger King in Argentina stopped selling their top-selling burger, the Whopper, in support of their competitor, McDonald's, donating $2 for every Big Mac sold to the charity Children with Cancer. The day was sort of coined McHappy Day, and it saw 73,000 more Big Macs sold than last year for McHappy Day. While it didn't necessarily impact the overall sales for Burger King in particular, it was pretty amazing to see a sign of solidarity between these two competitors. BK's done a really good job of trying to smear mcdonald's in the past but it's nice to sort of see them on social media if you haven't checked it out look at it it's a picture of the king and ronald mcdonald holding hands and basically saying please don't buy the whopper for this one day because two dollars goes to this charity um, when you purchase a big mac burger king took it one step further and actually sent the king into mcdonald's to purchase a big mac himself i thought it was freaking awesome i'd really like to see burger king sort of stand up and do something similar and 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 even mcdonald's do something similar here in the united states personally that's a really cool story i didn't hear about that 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 is really nice to see signed on big Facebook for the first time in like a month well that's probably why they were doing that campaign <laughs> time to plug some stuff phil do you have anything you want to plug um no my myspace page still has zero friends so um but i am getting some friends on linkedin so thanks for finding me out on linkedin guys joel Florida D-U-H Brewer on Instagram and Twitter. You can catch Mike and myself at West Palm Brewery where we are now like Arby's. We have the meats. We are smoking legit barbecue meats. And Mike, your diet is about to go to hell. So enjoy the ride. I hate my life. Uh, so <laughs> why don't you follow me at Mike Loves Beer uh, to uh, find out about that, all that hatred that I have towards myself. Um Thanks again, everyone, for listening. You can uh, catch the show on Twitter at United We Drink. We're on Instagram at United We Drink Pod. You can uh, like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on any of the major streaming services for podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much wherever fine podcasts are found. If we're not on the service that you like, let us know, and we'll do everything in our power to uh, get us on there. You can buy a shirt, sticker, button, or a lot of other cool swag at our store, unitedwedrink.com slash store. We got hashtag jacuzzi mead uh, shirts still available. So go grab one over there. Our next episode, we're going to be talking about something that I'm really looking forward to, label artwork and IP theft. I'm going to have to just get a whole bunch of stuff in the barrel for that. Mike just Um, got really hard. I'm going to need a sedative for that one. <laughs> Ditto. It's like um, a also, episode for me. Fun, fun little thing. Starting next week, we're going to have mini episodes. Uh, so, you know how you missed Q&A last episode. And this week, we're going to start putting Q&A in these little mini episodes that will be taking place in between all of our major episodes. Still be able to get them on our website and wherever we're we're found same feed so you don't have to worry about subscribing to anything new we'll have some fun new stuff available for you in those mini episodes so uh do stay tuned for that in the meantime 
For everybody, thank you very much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Go ahead and say it, guys. Cheers. Smells so new. <laughs>